0: live in the magical forest at Opportunity Village it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas all
1: right here we go on this Tuesday, Cofield and Company William Ramirez is here. Here is Magical Forest Opportunity Village, big season ticket. Event for holders of season tickets to the Aces. Season is right around the corner, May nineteenth. Things open up around the WNBA. Got a exhibition game. Coming up pretty soon. Willie was out to see the new facility down in Henderson, but we're—I uh, don't know what do you call this part of town. I call it the middle of town. Can I call it the middle of town? It's close to the middle of
2: town. It uh, is now, right? It is now. <laughs> the the there there used to be before hmm, about 15 years ago. The it, it it had switched where the center of town was Sahara and Decatur. That was a known. That was like you know that had come interesting that that was then the central okay for me this is old stomping grounds because this is Bonanza territory uh, Bonanza, which is on, right around the corner which is on the other side or which is the rival of Clark where I went so yeah this was you know Friday nights we were in and around this territory,
1: yeah. Torrey Pines and Charleston,
2: up and down, well, up and down Sahara, up and down Charleston. You know, yeah. they're, they're one of the original farm baskets, I think, is still around here. I might have to go there when I leave here. That, I mean, it's
1: like right there. If you haven't had a farm basket, it's, it, it's yeah. one of the best. I've had it. Yeah, the this is my hood over here. You know that?
2: Yes, of course.
1: So I love, I love, uh, I love a lot of local places. up That's and down what Charleston I like to appreciate
2: about you, Steve, yeah. is that you know, the man of the I people. Mean, you, well, you are, you know,
1: lived all over town.
2: You, you, you you've been here a while. You're not necessarily an old-school Las Vegas, but you've been here long enough. But the other thing is, eh, you don't move way out. You don't have to live on the outskirts. You're right in the middle of everything, and you live in an old-school part of town.
1: That's a cut. He just nods his head. All right, so the Aces season is going to start with, off in just a little whom? bit, like I said. Uh, with the peeps, with the peeps. Okay. The peeps on the ground here in Vegas. It's funny, I, I was speaking to someone today, and uh, when I mentioned how long I've been here, they are like, oh, you, you're, you're like a local. I'm like, oh, pretty much now. Not a Willie-level local, but, but pretty close. Um, so tell me, before we get to VGK and a lot more on the Raiders draft class, uh, in the next couple of minutes, uh, I didn't get a chance to get down near Raiders headquarters and check out the new ACES facility. What's it like?
2: I've never been inside of an NBA facility, but I would venture to say that, I, I mean, I don't know what the plushest of plush, and I don't know what the worst NBA facility looks like, but I would venture to say that it challenges, it's one of the, one. it's it's easy, well, we already know it's the nicest because it's, the, it's uh, supposedly the only WNBA facility, but I, I would venture to say, I'm, given the uh, amenities in the bathroom and the training room, that, that the ladies have alone. Forget about the basketball court. I mean, I mean, of course, it's shiny and brand new, so it looks, you know, it looks nice, and it's, you know, it's decked out and the decoration. But, and the fact that the locker rooms, like these lockers are incredible, you know, the way that they have them designed, and the way the doors open, the, each one has its own laptop. But the training room that they provide with a cold plunge and a sauna, a red light treatment, uh the cryotherapy. It it's it's I mean it's a it's an athlete's dream because it's like it's like combining a professional I mean it, it's got a full fledged PT center within the facility. So it's kind of mixed in. I mean if there are any sort of injuries above and I mean it's like I said, it rivals the best of the best and it's uh it's it's pretty wild. The the weight room's pretty cool. I probably could get my push pull and legs days in there. Um, the film room. Each have massa- Each player has a massage chair. I'm not sure how well that's going to work out. Um, Asia Wilson said she may fall asleep. <laughs> so, but for the most part, yeah. It's. I mean, uh, Mark Davis. He didn't hold back. It's good. No expense spared for the ladies, and we um, have uh,
1: we have good facilities here because we're a newer town. Yeah. On to major league sports, we have nice facilities. Our AAA team obviously has a ballpark that is beautiful and may house a major league team sooner than later. Obviously, the Raiders facility, you know, a lot of folks don't get access to that. That is ridiculous. UNLV's Fertitta Football Center is top a beautiful notch. spot. And then obviously, what VGK has done, what Foley's done for his players, awesome.
2: Okay, let's go from every level, though. The Arguably the top athletic program overall in high school Bishop Gorman's ATC. Forgot, yeah. UNLV Fertitta Football Complex. Baseball's built, you know, I can't remember if they're full. If, if they're done building. Weren't they building out the clubhouse and into something? Uh, plus your athletic complex. And now the pro facilities are ridiculous. I mean, the Golden Knights, obviously, they have, I mean, behind the doors where we go to interview the players, I mean, their facilities top-notch. They're, the weight room upstairs, the training facility, the jacuzzi, the sauna, all that. Um, now the WNBA. And you know what? As it should be for a team that brought a championship yep. to Las and Vegas. And it's a
1: big deal. When you're looking to bring in free agents, those are the bells and whistles that impress people. And, you know, while the rest of the WNBA tries to catch up as they they limit owners from going over the top, uh, Mark Davis, I'm sure, is doing everything he can within the rules. So l- let's talk uh, VGK. we got a little bit of a wait here until tomorrow with Game 1, Wednesday, Friday, Edmonton's in town. We're going to get a lot of predictions. What's that? Wednesday, Saturday. Wednesday, they mo- Saturday. They
2: changed this. Okay. When did they move
1: uh, Friday to Saturday?
2: 1.41 p.m. Pacific, oh, the email came across. Okay. They changed it, so instead of Friday, the game will be Saturday at 4 p.m.
1: And then we're looking at what for 3 and 4, like Monday, Thursday? They'll,
2: they'll come up with that.
1: Yeah. Interesting. But, All right, so they bumped it to Saturday, so we got Wednesday, Saturday. Yep. Um, I know the Sporting Tribune, you guys did a tremendous job, especially middle of that last series and towards the end. You guys had it blanketed from videos, tons of stories, really good stuff. Uh, so I know you have a lot more on the way. Um, you're a big fan of the Laurent Brassois story. So what do you have coming up?
2: I am going to be. I, I talked to him Saturday extensively and exclusively. Um, you know, the, I mean, his story about right, sort of coming through the AHL after last year's hip surgery, having to start off with the, with the Henderson Silver Knights, it's well documented, right? And he, so he's obviously going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. He comes in, joins the Golden Knights, has a phenomenal run, then gets injured again. And now he's come back, and now he's the number one for the postseason. Beats Winnipeg after a rough first game, which the entire team struggled with. And realistically, when you saw how lock, lock, like your trains here, Steve. Uh, when you saw how lackluster the team was back in a little bit—it's my favorite in game one. Um, a lot of those goals weren't his fault that they lost because they just played with no energy. But then this guy completely outplays a Vesna candidate in Connor Hellebuck. But what people do not know, because he hasn't talked much about it, he and I discussed it, his father's not doing well. And so while he may be playing with a chip on his shoulder, he's playing with a heavy heart. And it was hard for him to talk about. We didn't, you know, and we I say, you know, when I brought it up, he, he talked briefly and I said I don't have to go into detail in the story I obviously want to talk about it I mean you're skating onto the ice every single night with a quote on your helmet and there's a back there is background to it um yeah I just said I said how's he doing and he just looked at me and he said not good and we I'll leave it at that um because it's it's it, there were parts of it he didn't want to get too deep into but so yeah, he's played he he after the the series clinching win over Winnipeg, he admitted that he'd been playing with a chip on his shoulder. Um, it, it's obvious, you know, that he had something to prove, and he talked more about that when he and I talked Saturday at the facility. Sat down, uh, like I said, after practice, and then a little bit touched on his father. So I that's the, uh, I was waiting to put it out. I was going to put it out this, um, you know, maybe Sunday or Monday. So close, but I didn't want it to be so close after the game. Plus the NFL, I wanted to recap the Raiders and get, get sort of get that story out there. So I'm gonna when I leave here, I'm actually going home and put the wraps on that and have it out uh, late tonight for tomorrow to sort of run in and preview for the upcoming series.
1: Giveaway time three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Caller seven. Big event in town on Saturday eleven a.m. The gates open up. Music, Caribbean food, uh, plenty of drinks to be had at the Clark County Government Amphitheater. It's Reggae in the Desert. You can get your tickets at reggaeinthedesert.com, reggaeinthedesert.com, where so we can grab the tickets. But we've got a four-pack right now, 364-1100, 364-1100. Caller 7, Ari will hook you up with a four-pack to Reggae in the Desert. So NBA last night was real interesting, and I don't want to overreact, but – Nice showing there by the Sixers. I think you get caught here if you're the Celtics looking at the Sixers and you're like, man, they don't have Embiid. This is going to be an easy series, and the Sixers never went away. And, you know, you forget, even though Harden isn't Harden of three years ago, he's a freaking really good player. Man, he hit a beautiful three with a big defender on him at the top of the key. And then I loved after the game, you see Harden as a lot of the Sixers are kind of jumping around celebrating their upset victory. I mean, this is a team that – Uh, was facing a Celtics group that was a 550 favorite in the series. No one's giving him a chance because we don't know. I mean, Embiid's injury is supposed to be like a a four-to-six-week injury. They're trying to be coy about it. I don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, It's got to be Harden's team from here. And after the game, you see a quick video of Sixers celebrating. Harden's like, stop, stop, get off the floor. Like, we got a whole series.
2: One game does not matter. Everyone calm down. And a perfect example as to why that's good to have that is – what we saw with Winnipeg and Vegas. Winnipeg comes in, catches Vegas off guard. Vegas had been rested. They had been clinched. Winnipeg was still playing with that sort of hunger um, from the regular season to clinch, and they were already in playoff mode. So I think that, you know, Philly, as you said, sort of caught Boston a little off guard, a little flat. Oh, I don't want to say flat because they were winning, and and they, and they put up, you know, their offense was decent, but you're right. They probably... they <laughs> under- you shoot
1: 59%, the Celtics? Yeah. You shoot 59%. You better win. And you don't win on your home floor against a team without their best player? That's right. It's not even an argument. Embiid is the best player.
2: And the Sixers have had rest. They've had time to pay attention because let's not forget they dispatched to Brooklyn sort of easy. It, it wasn't a hard series, but they were able to sit back and scout and, and figure out what they needed to do. It's the most important game for the lower seed is always going to be game one. They came in and did what they had to do. So, you're right, and, and I love Harden's reaction. It was, it was a great find by you to sort of put that out on the TikTok. Um, is, you know, him calming his players down and reminding them, hey, this series is far from over. And of all
1: guys, he knows how the playoffs work. He's had so many bitter disappointments yeah. in the past, and I'm sure he would like to you know, really make some waves and, and lead his team way into this thing. He was calm and relaxed walking into the building. Did you see the outfit? How do you even describe this thing? Did you click on this? I did. It's got a little bit of, I'm assuming that's some leather, but it's basically, what, what color is that? It's just a, it's a furry, I don't even know what it is. The The, the, ja, the jacket's got some leather in it, and
2: he's got these giant furry pants. It reminds me of. Is this of, like, is this
1: Grimace color? The, no, the hero of McDonald's? A
2: denim, those are denim colors. They're
1: denim they're, Well, okay. they're blue.
2: It's a, it's a blue theme. You know what it reminds it me of? So I, don't know, I don't know if you remember. Those pants would fit me and my calves. I, I love that. I don't know if you remember the transition from Luke Karnaseka to the Cosby sweaters, yes, I remember where the sweaters. eventually they're like at Oak Tree and Jeans West and Chess King. They sold these big co- colorful. What fro- a reference. They they, <laughs> they sold these big sweaters, yeah, yeah. and there were leather patches throughout it. Yeah, yeah. So first thing I thought of was that's got a late 80s vibe. Late eighties, early not even early nineties. Eighties vibe with the with the sweaters, with the leather in it. This is a it's a jacket.
1: God, it's beautiful. With
2: blue, it's got a yellow, some yellow to the on the right sleeve, powder blue on the left sleeve, and then splotches of black leather. He's got these jeans that remind me of the Studio Two Thousand pants, um, and not Hammer pants because the Hammer pants had the elastic at the bottom, but they're just huge, flared out bell-bottomed denim jeans. I personally love it. Now, I wouldn't wear it because it's not me, but I think it's a damn cool outfit.
1: Would you wear it in 87?
2: I'd wear the top. I, I probably wouldn't wear the jeans cuz I'm short. You can I short people can't wear those those, those flared out yeah, bottoms. Six, six. Yeah, I can't I can't wear those. Now, I tell you what I would wear not as flared out but big and baggy like that would be overalls.
1: You love overalls. I love
2: overalls with the one strap down. Yeah. I'm going to have some for this next winter. I think I may wear it to the next year's Lotus uh party if I'm still part if I'm still if I'm still an employee and and then and then with another surprise guest for everybody.
1: That's funny. Ari's texting management right now reporting Fire that waiting. that are yeah, that Ari's going to be wearing overalls to our party next year. Get rid of him.
0: Listen to Cofield and Company in the press box all week long for your chance to win tickets to Reggae in the Desert, Saturday, May 6th at the Clark County Government Amphitheater. For more info or to purchase tickets, go to regainthedesert.com.
1: Down the road for the big WNBA uh, Aces event, as they've got all their season ticket holders coming out in a little bit. Meet and greet players, coaches, big celebration here. Willie Ramirez, Cofield,
2: and. I, I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted it out. I don't know, you get the press releases, but fifty-two hundred season tickets right now leads the league, Steve.
1: Uh, it's super impressive because, as we've talked about in the past, this is a league that's trying to get to a point where over half its teams get just fifty-two hundred people in the building. Yeah. So when we, you know, when we talk about popularity of the WNBA, ultimately the TV ratings—that's a nice metric—but you got to get people out through the gates and get to a point where half the league is getting six or 7,000-plus on a I, consistent basis. And you remember last year, about two months into the season, Mark Davis, and he talked about it publicly, was like, I don't know what to do. we got to get some people, people the through the, the doors here.
2: Yeah, and the, and, and the women would occasionally say, let's go. Let's get out there, right? And then Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson calling upon everybody. Remember in the playoffs, she was calling yeah. everybody out from – You know, Mayor Goodman to the governor to every hey, we need to get everybody out here. The energy we need to keep it lit. Da 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 da. So there's two big things.
1: Obviously, the fight for respect with women's basketball in the WNBA, and the other one is in this market, um, you better be really good, and you better have outreach to get people to come down to the strip. Which we've always said. I mean, there's construction now, but Mandalay Bay is one of the easiest properties to get to maybe not as easy now from the east side but from the west side it's it's a piece of cake but people still have it in their head I'm going to the strip I don't know if I want to go down there so you you have to break down that barrier and people started showing up for the playoffs and you know eventually they got to a point where they were averaging over about 7000 a game in the second half of the season so that's good progress
2: yeah and they you know the the product itself is good um, especially with Becky Hammond as the coach. This is a team that is electrifying. It was apparent it's very early in the season. It's entertaining. They play, the Liberty, yeah. they play a good ride of basketball. They play feeble
1: ball. Yeah. There is no, you know, 6'5", 250, uh, you know, big person where they're dragging down the offense or you just just dumping inside and everyone just stands around. No, no, no. Well, this, is, this is run up and down the floor, lots of ball movement, get downhill, push the pace.
2: One of the things that was pointed out to me last year. The
1: Knicks of the freaking
2: 90s. um, The L.A. Sparks' first visit here when Derek Fisher was still the coach was Lexi Brown, D. Brown's daughter. We had D. Brown on, but she pointed out was the the difference in the coaching with the mindset of an an NBA mind rather than a WMU. There's just a different mindset, whatever it may be. I'm not a professional basketball player, so whatever the difference is when you're on the court being taught by these coaches – And she referenced Becky Hammond. She says, we expect the Aces to be the exact same way because I had talked to her before the game. So that's what you see is the run and gun. I mean, it's it's like an 80s Lakers showtime, 90s UNLV, running Rebel up and down the floor, fast-paced game. And it's an exciting brand of basketball. And uh, if anybody missed last year's overtime thriller before the All-Star break against the Liberty, Well, can you imagine what this year's matchups with that team is going to be based on what both teams brought in during the offseason?
1: So on the way back, that was Joy Taylor, FS1, talking about, you know, legacies and comparing eras. And she even said she hates doing it. You should be able to just talk about someone without pairing them with someone else. And she was talking about Magic Johnson and Steph Curry. And, you know, we got into this a little bit yesterday, not necessarily Magic, but on Steph with John Von Tobel because John had tweeted over the weekend, hey, this guy is one of the greatest players in the history of the league. And it's... It's this ever-present topic. Uh, Willie and I are both in our fifties, and we can go back to our teens and twenties, and then whatever you know, late thirties. And the there's always this era comparison, right? And believe me, folks now are like they think that um, Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson, you know, are you know Jesus and, and Nikes or whatever Converse, right? Um, those guys were compared to players of the past, and people in that current generation would be like, they're not that good. It's happened to everyone. Jordan faced it. It happens to every era. Whatever era we're in, these guys aren't as good as the guys from back when. It's just, you know, we've now advanced to where now Magic and Larry are old, right? Uh, And now Jordan is old. Steph Curry deserves a ton of respect. I find him extremely annoying, but he's awesome. And two, what JVT was saying yesterday and what Joy Taylor just said, the other thing about some of the greatest players ever is they have a legacy that goes beyond just being a, a great player and winning championships. And in the case of Magic, he was a revolutionary guy. We had never seen someone six nine playing the point like he did, and have the passing ability that he did, and the Showtime Lakers, and how much they get up and down the floor. And Bird was one of a kind at the time to be able to shoot like that at that size was amazing. And Steph has changed the game. I just mentioned FIBA ball, right, and spreading the floor, and you know, one in four out. One can be the, can actually be small, six 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 seven, like Draymond Green, because of Steph, and then others following suit, it's now bombs away from three, and you can watch a game with Steph Curry, and he takes 18 threes, and you're like, okay. You took 18 threes in the 80s or 90s? You'd be like, get off the floor. We can't tolerate this, but it's now part of the game, and that's why Steph Curry's great, and that's why this series is such a good setup, Willie. I don't know if you looked at the betting numbers, but uh, I checked about three hours ago because I bet it. Warriors are 150 over LeBron and the Lakers.
2: To win the series. Before we go there, I just want to touch on one thing, though. When you talk about comparison errors in that we had to – we did that in the 80s, right, talking about comparing to the 70s. What's the difference? The difference now to then was – it was all talk. There was no social media and sharing right. a video, sharing a clips. There wasn't Instagram. There wasn't TikTok. And that as there, well. were, there wasn't anything to sort of show hand in hand. There wasn't the Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant mashed-up video where it starts with Magic or with uh, Michael doing a pivot and a turn and finishing with Kobe because he did the exact same thing. We didn't have comparison videos back then. You had VHS tapes, if that. So it's why the
1: conversation so much better now. Yes. Yeah. because we saw it, and if you didn't see it, you can go back and watch it.
2: Right. You can. You can anywhere. I'm not going to believe some you know,
1: yarn you're spinning about 1962 and how athletic the 6'4", you know, two thirty power forward was. It's. I'm not it was. It. Yeah,
2: it was easier to win an argument back then than it is now.
1: I remember growing up in the 80s, and and even uh, you know, even Kareem, as much as he'd done into the early 80s, it was still always you know, Wilt was better. He was tougher. He played a man's game. Right. Yeah. Finesse. Kareem got it. Kareem, Everyone's gotten it. Kareem was tough. And Steph still. And Steph still gets it. He should not. Uh, what he's done is amazing. He's at an advanced age now. I mean, the game, come on, the game seven, that that's thats how you build a legacy. Not only winning championships, but when you get old mm. and your team needs you, mm. Steph Curry's like, hey, the, the Kings are an up-and-coming team. I saw Clay Thompson give him a lot of credit for, you know, what the players have done and what Mike Brown has done. But in the end, when you need it, great players do unbelievable things in those mega spots, and that, that's how he further cemented his legacy. I mean, his legacy is already set.
2: But at this age, to score that many points – The edge in this series for the Warriors, for me, is off the court, and it was with Steve Steve Kerr. For the rest of it, I think you can argue either side in who has what edge, in what position, at what, you know. I mean, it's still LeBron James, 38 years old or not, right? He's still LeBron. Coming downhill, I mean... It took a big mouth of the Memphis Grizzlies. The The Lakers, I think we all agreed, right, on this show at least, that the Lakers were going to win that regardless if they were the underdog. I thought the Lakers were going to beat the, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies I not.
1: thought the Grizzlies could get them, but I was wrong.
2: No, I, I had the Lakers in that series. But the thing is, I didn't have the Lakers absolutely just dominating them. There was a word I was going to use that probably isn't good. But absolutely destroying that team. A big mouth brought that out of the Lakers and LeBron specifically. Now, I think that Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, all those guys, Draymond, they know better. Well, maybe not Draymond. Uh, but I'm not convinced that Golden State is a sure thing. Yes, they're the favorite, but I'm still looking at the Lakers. I think that they're playing with the chip. I think that the Lakers somewhat feel that this is it. This is, the, this is the best basketball they're going to get from this crew after, like, they may contend next year, but they're not going to be playing as well as they're playing.
0: Cofield and company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM.
1: You're out here for the big Aces event. Make sure you grab your Aces tickets as uh, the window is officially open. Go up online. Aces.wnba.com, as they've got individual uh, flex and group ticketing available. Season ticket base now at 5,200, which is really impressive, especially in the uh, the building at the MUA, the Mic Ultra Arena. Willie Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas, on the road around the uh, big Aces event today. we got to break down the Raiders draft a lot more this week, next week. Uh, Willie had a lot of coverage of it over the weekend. Tyree Wilson goes one with the seventh pick, Michael Mayer in next. So as we examine this class, because I want want to play what Adam Hill said yesterday in uh, just a little bit on uh, Tyree Wilson, give me some of the sleepers. Like who, who are you intrigued by who went a little later in the draft from round three on down?
2: Uh, first and foremost is the very last pick. I I like um, – I'm intrigued by Nesta J. Silvera. I think that – I'm going to call him NJ, but I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to do like Steve does. Steve just automatically gives everybody nicknames from jump, so I'm going to call him NJ. Um, I read a lot about him, and this is a kid that I think he falls in that category. He's not mystery relevant like a Brock Purdy, but he's down there at the bottom, drafted last by this team, seventh round, um, comes into ASU, appeared in all 12 games. He started in 10 of them, finished on the team, uh, fourth best, 56 tackles, um and his his body he, he comes in with this he's 62 304 that's what they list him at i am highly intrigued as to what they're going to do in the facility with him as far as nutrition as far as training is concerned somewhat you know stripping him down and just bul- and clean bulking him maybe landing around 295 because of what he already is capable of doing um the draft network says he pairs his brute strength with a quick get off, allowing him to quickly reset the line of scrimmage in his favor. Um, you know, we we talked so much about that defensive line, the interior part of it. And yes, Byron um, what's his name? Byron Young, who was drafted third by the team in the third round, seventieth overall pick, his diversity allows him to go in and out. But I'm reading mixed reviews about him. And I think that because he was drafted higher than the other guys and the guys that have been signed, which we're going to talk about some of the undrafted free agents that were signed, I think it's going to drive some of these guys with a chip on their shoulder. And um, so I'm, I'm really intrigued with him with uh, Nesta Jade Silvero. I am also like this pick with Chris, Christopher Smith from Georgia um, in the secondary and sort of combine him with Jacory and Bennett the two secondary guys that were picked up in the draft, especially Ja'Cory and Bennett. This dude, have you watched highlights of this dude? I mean, he he is a matchup nightmare because of his vertical leap and how he can go up and get the ball. Um, and I think that that's really going to help because of basically the stability and, and someone of the uh, sustainability or lack thereof that we've seen with this secondary in the past couple of years. Um, this is the first year that the same regime will able to sort of dig into what went wrong the previous year that they've seen in a while. So um, the last bit of consistency we may have seen with the stop unit was was, was with um, Gus Bradley was here after Basaccia took over and they made that run. So I like the secondary guys. I like the final pick. It, it's it's too easy, Steve, to say, you know, to talk about the guys at the top of the draft for the Raiders: Tyree Wilson and Michael Mayer and Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker still a, sort of a, a wild card, but it's too easy. They, they they should come in and do what they're supposed to do. In 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 where they were drafted, we understand that. We know that Tyree Wilson was a huge grab at number seven. I don't think a lot of people expected him to be there. I know in my draft preview. I had stressed they need to go defense, and if Tyree Wilson was available to grab him, and we know trading up for Michael Marrow was smart. So they're expected to do what they're expected to do. But Those bottom guys that I talked about and the two secondary guys, really intrigued to see what they have to do for the Raiders.
0: Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to LVSportsNetwork.com and go to podcast to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place.
1: Let's get into some hockey here in just a second. Darren Millard going to be in studio. He's back at our uh, Finley Toyota Studios. We're hanging out here at Opportunity Village, Magical Forest. Big celebration for the A's, uh, Aces season ticket holders. Number up to 5,200 now, so they got a big meet and greet out here. Hopefully we're going to get some folks from the organization in our 5 o'clock hour. Marty Cordova, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer, former Rookie of the Year in the American League, 1995. Marty's going to join us. We'll talk a little more about his charity golf tournament coming up with the United Way. It's right around the corner on May 11th. Go to uwsn65.org. May 11th, huh?
2: Yeah. I'll be 54 on that day.
1: Is that your birthday? Yep. Huh. Yeah, you had a strange look there. Real strange look. Yeah, I don't like I was care. like, what did I say? I, am, I, am I behind I like, on dates? I don't like
2: hearing that. I kind of get, it's almost like you get PTSD when you hear that date now. Years ago, I didn't Now, what you do.
1: Darren Millard in studio. Darren, what's up?
3: You know, I'm at an age now where you kind of hear other people talk about how old they are. Yeah. And sometimes there's surprise. surprised. Because you, you always think of yourself as the younger person growing yes. up. Yes. And then you hear ages and you go, mm, I thought that person was older. I'm not saying that with with Willie. I'm just saying generally.
2: I feel older.
1: Yeah. I may have been lying
3: there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, so Willie.
1: Willie, Willie was telling us he had a great conversation with Laurent Brassois yeah. and that he's got a story coming out in the Sporting Tribune. What do you know of Brassois and this story? Because it's pretty detailed. All right. Uh, give me the background on, on the story that you're
3: referring to.
2: It's a story that he is not necessarily um, likes to talk about because it's very hard for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the quote that's on the back of his right. helmet right. Um, okay. and his ailing father. And we spoke yep. Saturday um, somewhat in detail, but a lot of it was off the record, which I told him I would respect. And I said, listen, I, I obviously I, I need to put something in there. I, I want to talk about the quote on your helmet, but I won't get into detail out of respect for you. And he goes, I really appreciate that. And I did ask him how he was doing, and he just looked at me and sort of big gulp and said, not good.
3: Ashley Weiss uh, did a, uh, some real good uh, reporting on this aspect of Lauren's life during the first round of the playoffs and the quote in the mask and how long it's been there and his tie into to his father. And Ashley's as close and tied into the team as any of us, uh, talks to these players uh, more than us uh, in a lot of cases, and she had uh, a challenge in getting this aspect of Lauren's life out of him, drying yeah. it out of him. So it's it's closely protected. Right. Doesn't share a lot, but acknowledged uh, on the back of his mask. And it's uh, we all have uh, have parents that uh, that we've w- watched go through through different uh, challenges in their life, and it's it's difficult for us. Uh, and and that's I think is something that uh, that is is definitely uh, front and center for Lauren Berswap
2: Right, and it's it, it's. You know, it adds to you know, obviously with everything that he's gone through and playing with a chip on his shoulder um, after you know the hip surgery and then coming in, um, you know, recovered and then starting off in the AHL and what he went through and then climbing his way with the with the team, then getting injured again, then coming back. Um, so it's it's more than just a chip on his shoulder, as I said and I tweeted out. He's playing with a heavy heart, and, and that's got to be difficult. You know it's weighing on his mind, obviously. Um, and I don't want to say you wait for the inevitable, but at the same time, you're. You, I asked him, you know, is he watching the games? Is he able to watch it? And, you know, he kind of just shook his head, kind of like him. And he's like, We're working on it, you know. So yeah. it doesn't sound good, and you feel for the guy. But Jesus, when you talk to him and sort of get a vibe and feel the emotion, as as I did in the back hallway with him last Saturday. Man, Darren, you just, you admire the play that he just put forth in the first round against a Vesna candidate and came out the victor. It is amazing. Well, I got the same
3: uh, feedback uh, in in talking to Ashley regarding his dad and whether he's watching the games or not. Uh, I'm not sure how involved in in the broadcast he is able to partake in. Uh, But... So many of these guys are, are so close to fathers. Uh, Jack talks to his dad all the time. Uh, uh, Mark Stone talks to his dad all the time uh, will carry uh, actually talks to his dad all the time, but they have a rule that they aren't allowed to talk about hockey <laughs> uh, but, uh, but they lean on. So that's that's an aspect that uh, that I, I don't know how uh, involved uh, it is for Lauren. I, w- I will take not issue but push back a little bit on, on Brissois. And the journey that he's had uh, with you, uh, Willie, I don't, I don't think it's a chip on a shoulder, to be honest. Uh, and maybe it's just swapping out one word for the other, but I think it's, it's motivation. There's strong, strong uh, push uh, coming from different parts of, of his uh, athletic life uh, to get him to this stage over the last year and the challenges that he's been. But. Uh, I don't think I would characterize it as a, as a chip on his shoulder where he's been uh, cast aside. Like It was the injury that did it uh, the organization didn't do it. Uh, he had to battle through an, an injury process and get himself back into it and to be successful through that process requires extremely uh, uh, big work ethic, uh, a strong dedication and huge motivation to get better at your craft. And I, I think that is a more accurate way to describe what he's been through. And a lot of the credit, uh, and, and the reason why I would uh, take umbrage with the chip in the shoulder is, I think it takes some of the the credit away from, from Lauren. Because yeah. he's done a lot of this on his own with the help of uh, Freddie Brathwaite and, and now, now Sean Burke. But he put in the work uh, to get himself back in the picture when he was shoved aside because of the
2: injury. Right. Well, and, um, and we're speaking with Darren Millard, voice and face, if you will, of the Golden Knights. You see him on the broadcast. You hear him on the Golden Knights Insider Show, which is coming up, and they're going to have him and Ryan, the hockey guy, are going to have Laurent Eswa yeah. on the show today. And the only reason why I use that phrase, to be honest with you, is because after the game clincher, you know what word he used? Chip. I said, "Are you playing with Chip? You know, how's it been?" And he goes, "Absolutely. I came into the season with a chip on my shoulder." Well, I so, think there's motivation.
3: So, yeah, that, yeah. That's- no, I
2: agree with you. And, and 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 it's one of those words where with an with a professional athlete that you, they're the first person you want to ask whether it's mm-hmm. a, a professional woman or 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 man basketball. Like let's say Kelsey Plum after her Achilles recovery, right? Anybody. You want to make sure that you're using that phrase properly, and that's why I asked him because I knew I'd be doing a, a mid-series, you know, be leading into this next series, and he, he, you know, and I have a, a great quote from him. So that being said, I agree with you. Um, a lot of motivation in, in being pushed aside, a lot of uh, wearing the wearing the heart on the sleeve in this particular. Uh, situation that he's in we pray and hope that you know all goes well and and he can get through this series and and keep his mind on the game but obviously that's a tough thing to do and and prayers to his family and his and his father but we do have a big series uh coming up starting tomorrow game one wednesday game two saturday your initial thoughts on this matchup
3: there's so many different storylines that go through this between the similarities same division same conference uh Two teams that uh, have had large expectations cast on them over a number of years and have met them to a certain level. Uh, But then there's like a long list of contradictions, longer than you think you'd see in two teams that have been so successful this year. Uh, two points separated them. Uh, first place was was decided on the last day of the regular season for for these two teams. Uh, they are are in lockstep. Both had marvelous finishes uh, down the stretch, but they go about their business as differently as two successful teams could. Uh, when you, when you've got bad teams, Willie, a lot of times you'll see a wide open bad team and a team bad team that just can't score, so they have to play uh, a little more discipline. Uh, but they're, they're they both have enough shortcomings that they're both bad. Very seldom do you see two excellent teams go about it from opposite directions, and that's what you have. You have the depth of the, the Vegas Golden Knights, and you have the elite individual talent uh, of the Edmonton Oilers. This is a sport, and I've mentioned to you guys before, that, uh, and we had the, the great conversation last, last week, uh, that does not uh, regard individual talent the same as in a success rate. We right. love the individual talent, but it doesn't always translate nearly as much as the other sports. This will be a great test. It's not offense against defense, but it's how you, how you succeed through the team or through individuals. That's going to be fascinating to watch in this series.
2: Speaking with Darren Millard, once again, Golden Knights Insider Show on our sister station coming up actually at four o'clock. You're going to be talking to Laurent Francois I personally think that they're better off playing the the Oilers than the Kings. Uh, The Kings offer that physical, brutal, slowdown type of, you know, uh, muck in the puck. I like the fast-paced style because I think that Vegas can alternate from playing the same style as Edmonton, but they also have a defensive way that we've seen sort of come about in the playoffs. Um, Cassidy system, I think can you know they got to stay obviously they got to stay out of the box. We know that we know what Edmonton's done in the first round and on the power play. But let's not forget that Mark Stone did not play in three of the four regular season games against Edmonton too. I like this matchup. I think Vegas has as good a shot. I get the reasoning behind making Edmonton the favorite, but uh, the Golden Knights are going to be something to deal with. Uh, And Mark Stone, the one game they did
3: play in, scored in a penalty shot. Uh, remember the, the comments by Logan Thompson? Go five-hole on Stuart Skinner. Yeah, I, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot going on in the series uh, for, for Vegas and being able to contribute. Uh, you, the one thing that you often hear from hockey people is you don't want to get into a track meet with the Edmonton Oilers. And there's something to that. Because of their dynamic uh, individual talent in dry side and Nugent Hopkins, and Connor McDavid, and Bouchard has been uh, a great uh, blossoming uh, defenseman on the back end on their power play. That's true. But Edmonton gives up a lot. And they weren't great defensively in that first-round series. And one thing that I, I can point to, if it does become a high-scoring series, which the Winnipeg series was, uh, Vegas was able to score uh, plenty in, in that series. Uh, I, I think Vegas will be just fine when it comes to to scoring goals. It, can you score five a game like you were against Winnipeg? That's pushing it, but I think it, it's there. Uh, there's just as many questions about Edmonton's goaltending and keeping the puck out of the net as there is about uh, the Golden Knights trying to stop the, the Oilers' power play. Uh, it's just that the power play is on historic terms, so we pay a little bit more attention to it. But if, if you're an Oiler uh, supporter or you're Oiler management, you're just uh, concerned about the, the depth and the, the Golden Knights' ability to score five on five and do it very often.
1: Darren Millard up on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, flip over soon to 1340 and 9 and FM. Laurent Perssois is going to be on the VGK Insider Show. All right, got to close on this, Darren. We've been asking everyone today about, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's National Concert Day. Uh, Willie wanted to go negative here. What's the worst concert you've ever attended?
3: Well, that's a good question, right? Uh, you always
1: think about the best. Yeah. What's, what's a concert you're at? You're like, God, this is not good.
3: I I can't think of a really bad one. I'm sure there's been ones with, with sound. Uh, uh, that w- Now, I saw Kiss play, and I'm a big Kiss fan. Uh, they played uh, Air Canada Center then, Scotiabank Arena uh, now, and they had to restart four what? times. They had to restart no. four times in the middle of their show because oh, wow. the power kept going out. They kept short changing it. So that uh, was awkward, but... A KISS concert, if you've ever been to one, is a a massive Halloween show where everybody's dressed up and in the stands or the guys on stage. So uh, there's enough distractions to get through it. So that would be right up there. Uh, It would never stop me from going to see uh, Paul and Gene and the boys, though.
1: There you go. Good endorsement. Yeah, Darren, enjoy the show today. We'll be watching tomorrow. Thank you for the spot.
3: And, uh, Willie, you and I are still okay, right? That that was a polite... Pull, push, give, take. A little too take. polite for my taste. We're, oh, yeah.
2: always, we're always okay. You're supposed to not always agree.
1: Okay. Big hug to you uh, tomorrow night in the I'll press box. Tomorrow. Okay, buddy? See very, you. Very sensitive. He worries about coming on the show and offending us. We don't care. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll it. be so back to normal next week. P- yeah, it's, you guys P- are, it's PTSD from dealing well, with
2: those clowns in the morning.
1: I don't know. Something was going on, uh, I think, yesterday. Uh, I, I think on VGK, VGKIS, uh, Ryan the Hockey. They got into some kind of argument, and I, I guess I saw some – Listener said uh, someone was wrong and they just kept defending the same stance for 10 minutes. I don't know. I'm sure they'll be fine today. They seem to like each other most days, I think.